This is the Bible in One Year Express, day two. Your first question. What is your first question going to be? I was preparing my cross-examination for one of the first criminal trials in which I was involved when I was working as a barrister. A senior and experienced lawyer was helping me prepare. He showed me the significance of a first question. From Psalm 2. Why do the nations conspire and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed. The first question in the Psalms is about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. The safest place to be in life is close to Jesus. Paul, preaching the gospel in Antioch, quotes this psalm. He says, We tell you the good news. What God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. As it is written in the second psalm, You are my son. Today I have become your father. It is Jesus who is his anointed. The Hebrew word here is Messiah, Messiah. He is the Christ, the Son of God, whom we are to love. Kiss his son. The psalm's original context probably concerned a particular situation involving a human king of Israel. Yet as we read it, with a larger horizon in mind, we see that the first question asked in the psalms points forward in anticipation to Jesus. Why do people conspire and plot against him? This is exactly what we see happening in the New Testament. Even in today's passage in relation to Jesus, right from the start of Jesus' life, we see rulers gathering together and conspiring and plotting in vain. Yet the psalm ends, Blessed, happy, fortunate, and to be envied are all those who seek refuge and put their trust in him. With all the storms of life, and supremely the storms of Jesus' coming in final judgment, the only safe place to be is in him. Lord, thank you that as I look to the year ahead and all the potential challenges, opportunities and possibilities, the safest place to be is in you. New Testament from Matthew 2 After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he'd called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophet has written, For you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly, and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him.
Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. The first question in the New Testament is about Jesus. The whole of the Old Testament is fulfilled in Jesus, the Magi, often referred to as the wise men. Sensed the significance of Jesus' birth, they asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? They sought and found him. When they saw the child, they bowed down and worshipped him. They recognised that Jesus was the fulfilment of all the hopes and dreams of the people up to his birth. Jesus is the one who fulfills all God's promises. Today we see three more examples. First, the place of his birth. Matthew saw that even the place of Jesus' birth was prophesied. It was out of Bethlehem that the ruler and shepherd would arise, for this is what the prophet had written. Second, exile in Egypt. When Herod tried to kill Jesus, the family escaped to Egypt. Matthew writes, So was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Third, slaughter of the children. When Herod ordered the murder of all boys under the age of two, this fulfilled the prophecy of Jeremiah. Lord Jesus, today I want to bow down and worship you. I want to offer you everything I have, my life, my all. Old Testament from Genesis 2 to 4. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the snake, We may eat from the trees of the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the snake said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you've done? The woman said, The snake deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the snake, Because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life, and I'll put an enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. The first question in the Bible is about God's goodness. Do you ever find yourself doubting whether God's way really is the best? Do you find yourself wondering whether, even though God says it's wrong, 
something is worth trying anyway. God gave to humankind everything they could possibly want. The whole created world was made for us to enjoy. Every possible need was catered for. The pinnacle of God's creation was humankind. The need for community was solved by the creation of other human beings. It's not good for the man to be alone. It started with the beautiful gift of marriage. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. Marriage is the lifelong union of a man and a woman in which sex, another of God's beautiful gifts, is to be enjoyed with intimacy and freedom, without guilt or shame. Yet despite this abundant provision of everything good, human beings look for something more and they succumb to the temptation to take forbidden fruit. The temptation was started with doubts about God. Here is the first question in the Bible. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Behind this question is the demonic lie that God is withholding from you something that is really exciting. Eve's first mistake was to engage with the snake in conversation. We're created to converse with God, not the devil. The devil in the form of the snake fools Eve into thinking that there will be no consequences to her sin. You will not certainly die. He imputes bad motives to God. But God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. It is often the case that you swallow a lie about God before you swallow forbidden fruit. The fruit looked good and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom. This is often how temptation appears. Adam and Eve sinned and, as so frequently happens, cover-up followed the sin. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Next, the first question God asks in the Bible is about you. Adam and Eve's friendship with God was broken. When they heard God coming, they hid. But God immediately came looking for them. And we find his first question in the Bible. Where are you? God did not give up on them. Whenever you fall away from God, God comes searching for you, wanting the relationship to be restored. He says to the snake that one of Eve's descendants will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Jesus is the one who will crush the head of the snake, but there will be a cost. You will strike his heel. We see here the first hint of what it will cost to restore the relationship. On the cross, Jesus crushed Satan, but it cost him his life. His blood was shed so that you and I could be forgiven and our relationship with God restored. Next, the first question human beings ask is about responsibility. Am I my brother's keeper? This is the crucial question for today. Do you have responsibility for others? The result of the fall is a broken relationship with God. Adam and Eve blamed each other. And in chapter 4, we read that their children also fell out with each other. Arguments, quarrelling and falling out with one another began here. It has blighted the human race ever since. Try to avoid arguments. You will rarely win one and they are so destructive. Cain was angry with his brother Abel. God's questioning continued. Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. You will either master sin, now through the power of the cross and resurrection with the help of the Spirit, or else sin will master you. 
In Cain's case, it did. He killed his brother. God asked him yet another question. Where is your brother Abel? In response, Cain asked the first question by a human being in the Bible. Am I my brother's keeper? Cain wanted to avoid responsibility. He was saying, do I really have responsibility for anyone other than myself? The biblical answer is that you do have responsibility for others. We cannot exempt ourselves from responsibility for what is happening around us. In our city, nation and the world, for example, we cannot accept that thousands of children die every day as a result of extreme poverty and simply say, it's not our responsibility. Not only do you have responsibility towards your fellow human beings, but it is your privilege to bring blessing and joy to your friends, family and all those around you and to make a difference in the lives of as many people as possible. Lord, thank you that you have created this wonderful universe for us to enjoy in relationship with you. Help me this year to fulfill the potential I have to make a difference in other people's lives. Pepper adds, I always feel rather traumatized when I read Matthew 2, verse 16. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and in its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. What a terrible thing Herod did to the vulnerable, just because he felt insecure about his own position. Are you ever in danger of putting others down? to try and secure your own position.